1: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. Happy Friday, everyone. We've done it. We've made it through another work week. For those in the United States, it was probably a four-day week, but that's fine. We're here. We're here as a part of the Steel Curtain Network. We've got some big announcements coming up. If you listened to the Steelers preview, you heard some of those, go check that podcast out for some of those changes in our schedule and some new shows, show I should say. And some shows that are leaving. So make sure you check that out. Uh, go listen to the Steelers preview. In the meantime, want to make sure we get covered with the news. Uh, and I'm not talking about the network. I'm talking about the Steelers news. Uh, really, the only Steelers news that's happened since the last time we spoke was Christian Koontz, the long snapper, signed a one-year contract. Oh, but there was the news of Aaron Curry. I forgot about this. The former top five pick in the National Football League. Uh, Aaron Curry, it's an official now that he is a linebackers coach. And the Steelers let Jerry Olsavski go. Uh, I, I don't know what really to think about all this. I'm not sure if this is something that I feel is you know horrible or great. I don't know much about this guy. We shall see. I do know that as of late, the, the coaching additions I've been very happy with. I mean, when you think about Pat Meyer had a decent amount of success in year one. I think Frisman Jackson has done a good job at his time with the wide receivers. You think about uh, Alfredo Roberts with the tight ends. Uh, so far, so good with some of these new hires. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep a positive outlook here with the addition of Curry, even though it's it's sad to see Jerry Olsafsky, who's been a mainstay with the Steelers for a very long time, leave the organization. Uh, but they also keep Christian Coons for a one-year deal, so they'll have their long snapper for at least one more year. Okay, we do have in the second half, don't forget, Jeremy Betts coming up, the All Bets Are Off segment, as well as the heart-to-heart at the very end of the show, like we always finish out every Friday podcast, but I want to talk about something first, and the one thing I want to discuss is free agency. You know, free agency is coming up in just a couple of weeks. Next week, we turn the calendar over to March, and it's March 13th is when the first day of the legal tampering period begins. They have two days, 13th and 14th. That's when all the news starts. Remember last year, that was when the Steelers signed Mitch Trubisky, uh, James Daniels, Mason Cole. And then it's on the 15th when everything then becomes official. And the 15th is the first day of the new league year. All NFL teams need to have, uh, they need to be right there with the um, salary cap. They cannot be over the salary cap at the time. That's when everything goes into effect. So I was thinking about free agency, and I was thinking about how everyone across the NFL fan base, whatever, doesn't matter who you root for, but especially Steelers fans, typically they just go, you know, goo-goo and gaga for the new shiny toy that they get. They make a free agent signing, and everyone's like, oh, yes, this is exactly what the Steelers need. And maybe I don't like to be Debbie Downer or anything like that, but there are situations When you have to think about this and say, not all these situations have panned out for the Steelers. So I decided, and I wrote these articles for the website, I did the 10 worst free agent signings. And this is kind of like a a, a bad trip down memory lane. Most of the time when you're reminiscing and you're thinking back to all the stuff that, you know, oh, those those were great memories. These are not good memories, folks. I'm going to say some names that are just not That great in Steelers lore, Steelers history, you know, for every James Farrier and Kevin Green that were just fantastic free agent additions, there were some really bad ones. Some of you out there, I just want you to know if you're, especially if you're a younger fan, some of these players you might not know anything about. And that's okay. Uh, They probably didn't spend a long time with the Steelers, but that's okay. We're just going to kind of run down this list. And then I even did a secondary list because all these fans that were commenting on the article at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, that website still still exists, by the way, that I was like, I'll do an honorable mention for all those moves that were made that also were maybe not top 10 worthy but are worthy of their awfulness. So let's start out top ten. This is not in any particular order. I couldn't do that. They're just all so bad. So I started off with Sean Mahan. You know, he was a center. He was the one that was tasked with coming in after the Super Bowl forty win and, and after Jeff Harding's retired. That dude was a was awful. And it resulted in finally Marquise Pouncey uh, being drafted. But still, Sean Mahan was was not good. Uh, another one that a lot of people forget is Lance Moore, who did the majority of his career work and damage down in New Orleans. He comes to Pittsburgh. Everyone's thinking this is the free agent wide receiver pickup that would be great. No. No, it was awful. I think he only caught one touchdown pass in his time with Pittsburgh. was known more for his was known more for his bright pink socks he wore during breast cancer Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And the one touchdown he did catch wasn't even thrown by Ben Roethlisberger. was actually thrown by Antonio Brown. Next, Kent Graham. Yeah, you got to go back to the 2000 season. They bring Kent Graham in, thinking that he's going to be maybe the solution to the quarterback situation. No. He started five games, never saw the field again. Cordell Stewart comes in. That guy was not good. The next player, Jonathan Scott. You know, he he was a pickup from the Buffalo Bills after they released him. He only spent two years in Pittsburgh. He looked more like a turnstile than he did an actual tackle. Wasn't good. Now, I hated putting the next guy on this list. He was a great player, just could not stay healthy. But he deserves to be on the list because he just never panned out. And that's Ladarius Green. So Ladarius Green comes to Pittsburgh. They signed him as a free agent. He had a pre-existing ankle injury. He had had surgery, but they said he'll be fine. He'll be ready to go for training camp. He wasn't. Finally, they get him on the field. He has a great game against the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. He gets concussed. And guess what? That's basically it. He he ended up leaving. He was being released. And the concussion issues ended his career. What a that guy could have been fantastic, but ultimately just didn't pan out because of injuries. Another bad player, another free agent signing. Cam Thomas. Who remembers Cam Thomas? That defensive lineman. The dude looked like he was wearing roller skates on the field. That's not good when you're a defensive lineman. Uh, I just only spent. He somehow he spent two seasons in Pittsburgh, but no. Was not good. Everyone remember Dustin Colquitt? Yes, the son of the former Steelers punter Colquitt. Everyone thought prior to the 2020 season, nah, this is good. I celebrated it. I was like, yes, finally, Jordan Barry. Weasel boy's going to be gone. Mike Tomlin called his kicking JV, and eventually Barry returned to Pittsburgh, much to my demise. Next, let's go with Morgan Burnett, the safety. He was brought in the same year they drafted Terrell Edmonds first overall. Everyone thought he was going to be a nice stopgap between the two. Nope. Injuries, again, just like Ladarius Green, Morgan Burnett didn't get didn't see the field very often. Terrell Edmonds saw the field way more than anyone expected. And he was capable, but that time, Morgan Burnett's time in Pittsburgh was very short-lived based on the injuries. He did actually go on to continue to play in the NFL, but that one year in Pittsburgh was definitely forgettable. How could I not have a list of the worst free agent signings without LeGarrett Blunt? I mean, LeGarrett Blunt, not only did he and Le'Veon Bell's joyriding before the Philadelphia Eagles preseason game have them suspended, but also when Blunt became a disgruntled employee and walked off the field after that game in Tennessee. He ends up getting released, and oh, just don't worry. Blunt gets re signed by the Patriots, goes on to win a Super Bowl that year, much to the demise of Steeler fans. Definitely. One of the worst free agent signings. And then to round out the the top 10, Dante Moncrief. Come on, Dante Moncrief. I remember our own Kevin Smith. He wrote an article about how Dante Moncrief can be a weapon. He can stretch the field. Everyone's excited. He was most known for the, in 2019, the week two game in Seattle when Ben Roethlisberger leaves. Mason Rudolph comes in. He throws a pass. It hits off Moncrief's face. Face mask, still gets intercepted that was kind of like the way that it went Dante Moncrief didn't even last a season he got he sat on the bench inactive he didn't see the field they cut him for compensatory pick purposes that was bad so those are 10 but then there were people that said Jeff you're missing some and I said okay here's some more let's take a deep breath and let's go through some of these I don't want to cause people to have like a panic attack thinking about these players Mark Barron Remember Mark Barron, the tweener, is he a safety, is he a linebacker? Answer, he's neither. Horrible, horrible pickup. Deuce Staley, great in Philadelphia, had a couple moments in Pittsburgh, couldn't stay healthy, not a good pickup. Justin Hartwig, somehow, someway won a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh in Super Bowl forty-three. They did draft, uh, after this, after Justin Hartwig's tenure was up, they did draft Marquise Pouncey. But Justin Hartwig was probably most known for his safety in Super Bowl forty-three, where he held in the end zone. I don't want to talk about that too much. Another horrible pickup, Jacoby Jones. Mike Tomlin thought a change of scenery would create a spark. He was wrong. That was bad. Awful from the start. How about a more recent one? Stefan Wisniewski. Remember him? Coming off of a Super Bowl win with the Eagles, Super Bowl win with the Chiefs, everyone's thinking, man, this is the guy the Steelers need, that veteran lineman. So he injured his pectoral muscle in week one, Monday nighter against the New York Giants. When he was healed, and he he's ready to come back, the Steelers release him. And they release him. And he goes on to play in another Super Bowl with the Chiefs, but they end up losing that game. Still, just a really bad signing, even though it just didn't pan out. How about Mike Mitchell? Mike Mitchell did stay in Pittsburgh for a long time. The Steelers signed him after his four-interception season with the Carolina Panthers. All he did in that time in Pittsburgh, in his four seasons in Pittsburgh, was he equated to that one season in Carolina. He never had more than, uh, in his four seasons, he tied the four interception total that he had in Carolina. How about the last one here in the honorable mention category, Todd Peterson. Peterson was a kicker, was brought in to be that reliable veteran. He was awful, and he resulted in Jeff Reed getting the kicking job following his dismissal from the team. So just a little friendly reminder out there, folks, that While we all get excited, myself included, because when you talk about when the Steelers signed LeGarrette Blount, I was excited. I thought it was a great signing. And there were a lot of really good signings, too. Yeah, I mentioned Kevin Green. I mentioned James Ferrier. You could say D'Angelo Williams as well. Not all of them are bad. These are just the bad ones. When Ladarius Green was signed, I was so happy that that was that he reminded me of Eric Green from back in the day. And it just didn't pan out. None of these panned out. That's why they find their way on the worst free agent list of Steelers history. Just remember, keep that in mind this this offseason. Although a lot of the free agents last year panned out, they don't always pan out. And that's just part of it. The Steelers are not by themselves in that regard. All right, coming up after this break, I'm going to have Jeremy Jerome Betts on. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the Combine, Omar Khan. Ask him a couple questions about an article I've coming out on the website about the NFL maybe doing a little minor league system. and don't forget the heart heart at the end. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is
0: the deal.
1: All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is Friday. It is the second half of your Let's Ride podcast, which means it's time for the All Betts Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. Jeremy, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm
0: doing all right, man. It's been a busy week, but uh, ready to talk some football with you.
1: Absolutely. We're all gearing up for the NFL Scouting Combine to come up. You know, it's Mm -hmm. coming up at the end of next week and leads into March. And that's exciting. And we're going to talk about that. But I want to get your thoughts first on an article that I wrote. I think you were actually the one that shared this in the Slack channel for us. And I talked about it on my Wednesday podcast is the fact that Omar Khan was the Mm -hmm. only GM at the HBCU, um, their own combine. What were your thoughts when you saw that?
0: Well, I I think my my biggest thought is that, you know, he's Omar Khan's trying to get out there and just and show that he's um, he's taking this seriously. He's he's all in. And I think, you know, with something like the HBCU, um, the the combine that they had where you're talking about uh, uh, something that's growing a an event that's gaining some more steam and some more um just some more eyes on it, uh, across the NFL that, you know, trying to find talent anywhere you can is, is a huge deal. And for a guy in Omar Khan, who uh, is new to being a GM and has had, there's questions about whether he's got the, um, the personnel, uh, uh the abilities to identify players and, and put all that together. If, you know, if, if he's able to do that, um, you know you're looking at a guy who's got the whole package so i think he's really trying to put a step out, a step of foot out there and say man i am the whole package and i'm willing to take the extra step even if it means you know there's no other gms here i'm going to be uh the gm that that shows up to this thing and you know maybe the steelers have their eye on a specific prospect you never know but um when he shows up i think it it just shows that he's he's ready to uh not make steelers fans forget about kevin colbert but be ready for this next this next regime that's in place. Yeah,
1: I don't think, I think there were some people that might've thought that was kind of like a PR stunt. You know, maybe he's in first year GM, want to get his face out there, some positive spin on him and his role with the team. I think it was more than that. I think this was definitely Omar Khan thinking like, hey, all these other GMs are passing on this. I'm not going to pass on it. I'm not going to pass up an opportunity for me, for someone that, like you said, wants to probably show off that he can handle the personnel side of this job. Well, let's get out there to the first combine you have and let's do it. So um, I thought it was a good step forward for him, a a good first step in terms of his first NFL offseason as the GM. And the big big event is coming up in the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis. I know you have an article that's going to run uh, actually, it ran on uh, Thursday in regards to it's kind of like a primer, getting everyone geared yep. up for the big event. Omar Khan will be speaking on Tuesday, I believe, the 28th of February. So make sure you check us out for that. I'm sure we'll have some content regarding his comments as it's the first time he's spoken this offseason. But when you think about the the scouting combine, and I know it's position by position, and that's a little different. But what do you look for? out of athletes when it comes to the combine and the testing results to come back.
0: Yeah. I think like you said, it it, position by position, you're looking at some different things. That was kind of the, the highlight of that article. Um, You know, just kind of outlining uh, for the, the top positions of need for the Steelers, you know, what, what you should be looking for in these guys. And I think that for me, the biggest thing when I'm watching the combine is I want to see, these guys get out there and be fluid in how they handle each of their activities, you know, offensive linemen, defensive lineman, they're different than wide receivers and cornerbacks, but each one of them needs to, to show, show off that smoothness and that, that fluidity, the agility to be able to handle all of these different tasks and drills and everything. And, you know, when the, when the wide receivers run the gauntlet, you're not necessarily looking for them to catch every single pass but you want them to be able to flip those hips and and turn and and get get in position correctly and then uh you know tap those toes along the sideline you want to be able to see these guys uh in their three cone drill get off quick and and make sharp cuts and be decisive in their movements and uh it's not always all about the 4240s or the uh 40 reps on the 225 bench press you know the, those are the flashy things the the things that um uh, maybe if you're a casual fan or new to, to watching the combine you're like man this guy is something else but i think we've seen enough of the scouting combine um or enough players come from the scouting combine where maybe they just took it over but then when they get to the nfl something's just not quite clicking they can't quite there so I think you want to see fluidity. You want to see guys that understand the directions and the instructions and all the behind the scenes stuff. That's the stuff that you try to get the little bits and pieces that you can from interviews and whatnot to see what these guys are made of. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from it though, in recent years is just don't get over oversold on one prospect or, um a guy just because he did something great let the the Steelers do their process they they're, they're going to know way more about it than any of us do anyway so uh you know trust the process a little bit and don't fall in love with the guy just because he's fast so this is a long event it's like a
1: whole week and they, everyone has their favorite events i want to ask you out of all the events that you could potentially watch not just positions, but there are certain drills that a lot of fans like to watch. For instance, some people like to watch the forty-yard dash. It doesn't matter yeah. the position; they just like
0: to watch it. What is that drill for you? Do you have a favorite? So the just like the athletic drill, it to me it's the broad jump. Seeing these guys go from uh, standstill to um, you know as uh, far forward as they can leap on two feet, and just the explosiveness and and the the power and the drive it takes for these guys to to jump 9 10 11 12 feet even for some of these guys it's it's incredible and that'll tell you a lot more about uh creating or taking strength and turning it into power because it's a those are different things you you know this jeff being a a former coach and um you know having experience i'm sure in the world of athletic training uh just because you're strong doesn't mean you can you can use that properly and i think the broad jump is is a really really good way to to help determine um if a guy can turn uh turn that strength into power and and really accelerate through that and and hit those distances that you want to see that would be the drill for me in the position specific drills um I really love to watch the cornerbacks doing their uh their back pedals to um sprints so i i can't remember exactly what the drill is called but you get the guys backpedaling then coming driving forward and then backpedal again driving forward with moving the ball uh different directions to get them moving and then at the very end you send them and they've got to flip those hips and they got to get down the field and catch the ball over the shoulder and you can tell a lot about a cornerback his his overall athleticism he may look he may look fast in the 40 yard dash, but if he can't flip those hips around, he's going to have trouble at the NFL level. So I like to watch that for sure. I actually think, and I was going to bring this up anyways, I actually think that drill is
1: called the Terrell Austin drill. Um, I love one it. of those, one of those drills is actually named after the, the now defensive coordinator sure. of the Steelers. And there's also a Deuce Staley drill for running backs that they do. Uh, and, and you'll hear them rich Eisen typically will call it yeah. out. Um, and that's pretty cool. But you talk about explosiveness, and I think that you know the broad jump is great, so is the vertical, you yeah, know, especially yep. when you're talking about the elite athletes, you're talking your running backs, your wide receivers, uh the cornerbacks, the ones that are supposed to be dynamic, explosive players. That vertical leap is going to be very important. I, I love watching the three cone drill, especially for yes, pass rushers, awesome. the edge yep. rushers. Give me the three cone speed. And to go back and I would love to. this might be something that you would want to do. Maybe if, as, as you're good looking at, go back and look at some of the elite edge rushers and see what their three cone drill times were and see mm-hmm. if it correlates to their success in the NFL. So does TJ Watts three cone drill at the combine? Is it better than miles Garrett? Was it worse than miles Garrett? You know, just curious there. I might do that. I might actually look that yeah. up. That that'll be interesting because I think that some of those drills, you can kind of draw some conclusions and you could even go into like Aiden Hutchinson from last year, but, the, right. the, the, we will talk about the combine a lot, probably next week as well. I wanted to bring up another topic. You talked about this at the very start of your Steelers fix with Andrew Wilbar uh, this past week. You asked him if he had watched any other professional football, meaning the XFL. Sure. And he said, no, I'm in Andrew's camp. I did not. So I'm going to have an article run. I'm not sure. It might've already run on Thursday. It might run on Friday. Who knows? I bring up the, the, the thought process here. And I outlined it in mm. detail of what if the NFL you know, these leagues, probably like the XFL, the USFL, they want to get more eyeballs on it, right? Right. Yeah. There's a, way to, there's a way to do it. And I think it's that if the NFL adapts, adopts these leagues as almost like their minor league system, akin to the NHL, Major League Baseball, and even when you look into like the D League for NBA. Sure. If you told me that, and the, the example I used in the article, that the San Antonio Brahma's, which is Heinz Ward's <laughs> team, is their like low A affiliate, And then the Pittsburgh Maulers are their, like, double-A affiliate. And I'm watching these players. And now I go into great detail about how the draft would have to expand back to think about in the 70s when it was, like, 14 rounds. You would expand the draft again. You would want to limit the number of uh, undrafted free agents. And then you would send those draft picks down to one of your affiliates. You want me to buy in, me, Jeff Hartman, who only likes the NFL. Give me a feeder system. Give me players to watch, teams to watch, to be engaged with. I think it would be awesome. But, Jeremy, I want to ask you, do you think that idea is even feasible? Let's just assume the NFL and the XFL and the USFL Hmm. are on board. Do you think it's feasible, that thought
0: process? And if so, would you buy into it? I would absolutely love it if that was the case. Then you've got real rooting interest and players that you can kind of follow in their potential rise to to the nfl level because you know if there's one thing you hear basically every nfl coach uh coordinator you know some of these guys they need development after college uh when they can put their sole focus on the game and the nfl is a what have you done for me lately league and if you can't make your mark pretty quickly then you might find yourself out of a job before you've even had a chance to really develop. So I love the idea of having those, that type of affiliate league there. Um, my, my thought process and question then is though, say you've got a guy on your practice squad and and practice squad guys, are they eligible for this league in the, in the off season? Are they going to want to participate in it when they've been practicing with the team and maybe even called up to a couple games during the season is that a fatigue issue that's going to be a problem those are some different things you know logistically you there'd be a lot to figure out but i think that they could swing it if they really wanted to and i've heard mike tomlin on on the mic several times talk about how he uh he loves the preseason process because you get to see these guys develop and you want to see um you know, how many of these guys can, can make a mark as quickly as possible, but that he also wished that there was a way that he could have more time with these guys. And, you know, uh, maybe not him specifically, but somebody in the organization or in those affiliates that reports to the team brass and, uh, you know, has scouts and, and whatnot specifically designated for them to be able to watch these guys develop could be a huge thing for the league. You might see some positions where. Um, guys come along more slowly or you can't find 32 starter quality level guys, say at quarterback at the position, you know, maybe something like this could improve that situation for the league.
1: Yeah. Cause you think about someone like, uh, let's I'll use Chris Oladokun as an example. Mm. Seventh round draft pick drafted player doesn't make a roster. He ends up getting released and finds his way onto the Kansas city chiefs roster. He wins, a super bowl technically, but he never dressed once. He was on right. their practice squad, I believe. This that would be the perfect opportunity for that guy to be getting game experience. Now, I think back to Joshua Dobbs as another example, right? A guy yeah. that held a clipboard for like the first three to four years of his career, still has a ton of talent, probably just needs to actually get those in-game experiences. Now, the XFL, I'm sure that The Rock is like, we're going to take down the NFL. Mm -hmm. Well, dude, you're not, but if you could pair with them and make this a a reality, now you might be on to something because the NFL trumps everything. And when it comes to viewership and what people care about and they're passionate about it, and like I said, I won't watch probably a second of XFL or USFL football, but if all of a sudden the Steelers as an organization had players that were in a feeder system, a farm system, if they're going to feed their way up and potentially be those type of players, that'd be awesome. And I can even give firsthand experience with the fact that I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, and we have the low uh, affiliate of, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now to be completely honest with you, it's very, very rare that anyone from Wheeling makes it all the way to Pittsburgh to be with the penguins. Some get called up to the next day the the AHL affiliate, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton penguins, but very few have gotten all the way up there. But the fact that there's an opportunity and a chance, everyone right. cares. Everyone's watching. There's, there's this pipeline and major league baseball is obviously the outlier here because it, some of these players never even see the sniff, the triple a s- system, let alone right. get to yep. the bigs. So I was curious
0: what your take would be if that were the way you are going to be. So, so you would support it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would. And, you know, just with the way that the NFL is trying to, you know, really just take over the sports market, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't consider something like that as well. And I think another angle we got to look at this from is, you know, some of the rules and, and um, I guess trial and error type things that they try in these leagues to give the NFL an idea, Hey, could this work? We see sky judge now because of that. We see the, the yeah. quick rulings. We saw, um, you know, the thought of maybe going for it on fourth and 15 to, to, uh, keep the ball, uh, down a couple scores. Um, you know, I think the XFL now is doing kickoffs where the, the kick kickoff team, except for the kicker lines up five yards in front of the, uh, return team, that's standing at like the 25 or or the 30 yard line or something like that so there's no uh, running start for these guys so there's some weird things but you get to see some of those things in a trial and error fashion at a lower level and you know if the NFL is involved in it then maybe you get a little bit better um, idea of of what could translate to the next level so I'm definitely down for it any way to increase um, our exposure to the NFL I love it (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get, Jeremy, your prospect of the week. Who is it? All right, I've been digging deep into some of these uh, wide receivers um, just because I think the Steelers are going to need to address it at some point, at, maybe not the draft. Uh, I'd like to see it like late in the draft, so I'm going to give you a guy out of uh, South Alabama uh, which hosted the Senior Bowl. He was there at the Senior Bowl. It's Jalen Wayne uh, who is actually – Another legacy player, not for the Steelers, but he is Reggie Wayne's son, mm. and uh, plays with an edge. Um, he's got good agility, good route running. He's kind of a a stocky slot, if you will, six foot, two hundred five pounds, so a well built guy, and he can move. Um, and you're looking at a Steelers team who's got it pretty well set on the on the outside for for 2023, um, but. Beyond that, it's it's pretty well unknown. Are they going to address it with a free agent? We saw uh, Robert Woods was released this week. I think he could be a good fit for what the Steelers would want as a wide receiver three, uh, a slot guy. But if you're going to address it in the draft, I think it's going to be later. And I think uh, in the seventh round, you could get a guy like Jalen Wayne out of a small school who's got some big time uh, potential as a pass catcher. If you watch him with the ball in his hands, he looks like uh like a poor man's debo samuel at this point in his career uh he can he makes people miss he's got a lot of that um yak ability if you will uh he's he's a return man so he's got some versatility there he's a guy that i have enjoyed watching the tape of uh over the last couple weeks and i actually had him mocked to the steelers in my uh seven round projection a couple weeks ago as well all right good stuff uh why don't you tell all the listeners out there what you have coming up on the website
1: as well as on the Steelers fix next week
0: yeah so you mentioned already the uh the combine primer specifically for Steelers fans and the position groups that we're going to be keeping an eye on for the most part uh just more draft stuff more free agency stuff as we get a little bit closer you're going to start seeing some moves being made uh I might do a um I might do a an article about Steelers free agents that could, um, in, or that could be intriguing to other teams and which teams those would be. So that could be um that's something that I've been working on and getting started on uh, kind of the back end of uh, getting that produced there. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And then the Steelers fix we're going to roll with some more position groups. And then uh, I don't think we have an interview for this next week, but we're hoping to get one. Uh, or two more before the draft starts so just keep an eye on that and we will we will preview the combine before it starts as well
1: fantastic stuff jeremy as always thanks for your time we'll talk to you next friday have a good one Jeff. all right you too all right steeler fans thank you to jeremy drum look i want to make a clarification for jeremy and he brought up the his prospect he said it was reggie wayne's son it's not it's his cousin he realized it after he said it he sent me a message like Jeff it's not his son it's his cousin I was like don't worry I got you I'll tell him it's he made a mistake we all make mistakes we're all human yes cousin so there you go all right let's finish this up with a little heart-to-heart as we do every Friday you know I was scrolling through ESPN the other day and this actually doesn't have anything to do with the Steelers I see that Aaron Rodgers decided to go do a I think he called it's called a dark retreat Maybe there's some other technical term or jargon and it's basically where he goes out. I think it was in Oregon and he was in a room and they, it's just completely pitch black, dark and they stay in there for days and it's a way for him to try and connect with himself. And he is someone that is definitely exploring that avenue. If you listen to how he did some more like a more of a hallucinogenic uh, trip, the past off season, he's trying to find unique ways of finding himself. That's not what this is about. The dude can do what he wants. My question is, is why in the world do, do so many people care about what this guy does in the off season when it's not harming anyone else? I don't get this at all. This is something with me. Everyone's different. And Aaron Rodgers is a different cat. If you haven't figured that out yet, you got to realize that he's just a different dude. Just because he's different doesn't mean it's bad. Just because he's different doesn't mean that somehow he's not faithful to the Packers, or if he goes to a dark room and sits there and, and reflects on his life and where he is personally with what whatever he's doing, who cares? He's not hurting anyone. It's not like he left the team in the middle of the season to go on a dark retreat. It's not like he's doing shrooms in the middle of a game to see what it feels like. This isn't that, folks. Can we please calm down a little bit? Can we please say like let pump the brakes and say, "Whoa, like Aaron Rodgers can do whatever the hell he wants to do. If it's not hurting anyone else, say, you know what Aaron, good luck, man. I hope you're I hope you find what you're looking for." He's searching for something. Hope you find what you're looking for, man. You want to go on Joe Rogan, you want to go on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, you want whatever. That's fine fine we can be okay with someone else doing something different that's my heart to heart think about that the next time you comment on social media all right folks that does it for me i'll be back on monday hopefully with a monday morning conversation in the meantime make sure you check out the steel curtain network follow us on twitter uh you'll see me retweet a bunch of stuff just find that it's a a good feed follow it we're trying to do things a little bit different there uh you know, interact with us. We love it. We love it. Absolutely love it. And stay tuned for more on that. But you know how we finish it out here. Be safe. Be kind and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. And a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. I'll see you next week. My burning I
0: sleep three to four hours every night. I